When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, from beautiful Sudbury, Ontario, welcome to episode 151A of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Glad to be with you again. Happy playoffs, everybody. Now, these playoffs are wild. Hockey fans uh, and non-hockey fans alike, sports fans, whatever, fans of excitement, fans of controversy. There's plenty of all of the above this year in the National Hockey League playoffs. And uh, being a Canadian quote-unquote hockey podcast, although this isn't really a full-on, full-blown hockey podcast, is it? bit of everything but uh i should note i should i I said every tuesday episode i'll try to come up with five five things notable from the week that i'll comment on so getting back to hockey first one being the canadian teams okay i can't break down every single playoff series there's a lot of action going on a lot of great hockey and outside of good luck to Alex Newhook in your quest for your second Stanley Cup and Dawson Mercer in your quest for your first, Devils were down and out and they came back two games of two. 
Uh, outside of that, I'll pay attention to the Canadian teams, okay, just for no other reason than where I'm located. And that is Canada. But I know people listen from all over the world. So the first thing I'll comment on is the Canadian teams and the NHL playoffs. First of all, I've never seen anything like it. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers, both down by three goals. And which is, honestly, if I'm even on the team, you go through the motions, you say, come on, boys, let's believe. You give it everything you got, but you know in the back of your head the odds are you're probably not going to get three goals, much less come back and win the game. I'm not saying I had a defeatist attitude. It's happened in my whole sports career. I don't know. I'm including even like minor sports, baseball, soccer, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you off the top of my head. But being down three, and especially with the leaps, being down three in the third period – and being the leaps, like what are the leaps famous for? Choking. And to not choke is one thing, but to come back from the other side, three down in the third, and not only that, be led by your quote-unquote best player who gets two of those goals back-to-back -back in like two minutes. Then Morgan Riley ties it up after... Winning in an overtime the other night and taking shit most of the year for the way he played. Is he ready for the playoffs? They're better without him. Yada, yada, yada. Mariners got a quiet 10 points in four games. So not only did the Leaks, Leafs come back, their best players stepped up. It's like a turning of the page. You know, new, new generation Leafs fans aren't used to this. They haven't seen it in a long time. I don't remember the last time I saw it. I think their last series win, I don't know, but I think it was early 2000s. I guess they say 18 years. Was it the Leafs Senators? One of those series. But I also don't recall them coming back <clears throat> from three in the third period. That one they blew. It was 4-1 to one against Boston. They blew that. They blew a 3-1 to one series lead against the Canadians a few years ago. They blew a lead to Tampa last year. So this is new territory. Now, who knows if they're going to do it? They're up 3-1. to one. They could colossally fuck up again. But credit where credit is due, first of all. And it's new territory for me to even remotely be rooting for the Leafs. But my buddy, Dave Roper, is their equipment guy. And if Rope Dog gets a Stanley Cup ring, then a tear will come to my eye. That's the truth. Grew up real close to each other in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. And well into our, like, buddies, as in single-digit years ago, we're, like, you know, playing senior baseball. We're, 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 he's the trainer in senior hockey. I'm playing. Not thinking about acting. He wasn't. I'm sure he was thinking of something other than senior hockey training and equipment managing. But, uh. It would have seemed a little bit impossible. Now he's there. I'm in Sudbury doing Shorzy. Real proud of him. And uh, I can't, you know, I traditionally just haven't been a Leafs fan. But like people forget, I did play for the St. John's Maple Leafs. I wasn't signed with Toronto, but they really did. I mean, 
Bill Waters, I think it was, was nice enough to sign me to an AHL deal. I was I was owned by Montreal, right? That's what that's what happened. People are like, why didn't uh, Toronto bring you up? Well, I mean, I who knows? Maybe maybe a, that year, what was it? Uh, Ninety nine, two thousand. I thought I played okay, but. I'm not saying I got fucked or anything. Like I loved, I loved playing in St. John's. I just wasn't signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I was waiting for a trade, whatever it was. But but the point being, I saw the world from that angle, um, and I've never. And they were nice to me. And you know, it's weird when you after you played for the Habs to have an experience with the Leafs like I did in the minors, and you know they were rivals for so long. But really, I don't think about that stuff. Most players don't either. I mean. I was a huge Habs fan growing up, but once you hit pro, you know, you're not thinking that way anymore. At least I wasn't. Anyway, I have reasons inside. You know, my two real good buddies in Montreal, uh, Shane Corson, Darcy Tucker, they ended up being leaps and big parts of the team, especially I just mentioned a playoff win. They were part of that team, the last team to do it. Um, so, you know, I feel a real connection with the Leafs. I do. And those players... Um, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Riley, you know, the goalies, they, they got pressure. Man, well, Samson off more than anything, but they got a lot of pressure. And I hate seeing people fold. I, I shouldn't say fold. That's that's on you, but bad luck, bad luck. Because a lot of this, their history is, is, is as much their own doing as it is bad luck. Um, but still, something had to change. Something had to happen. And uh, people laugh, but look, that Matthews-Stamkos fight wasn't really a fight. right? I mean, Stamkos, some would say suckered him. I know exactly what he was doing. I mean, Stamkos is a fucking 60-goal scorer here, gents, right? Uh, it's not like he's Bob Probert coming in picking on somebody. I believe Stam Stammer was thinking, get Matthews off the ice. We're real deep. I can trade for him fine, but uh, let the rest of the boys do it. And when not only will we get Matthews off, but we'll intimidate him and put him right where he's been for the last fucking five or six years. In the weeds, lurking, because he doesn't want to get involved. Now, Matthews did step up. He got five minutes. What he's doing, picking up sticks? I don't know. People are like, well, you know, he had two sticks in his hand. Who the fuck is thinking separate the gear when there's a line brawl? So I don't agree with him there, but he did step it up. He didn't back down. He threw some hits. He took some hits. From there, you know, it's a trickle-down effect. Uh, they started the game terribly last night, which would have been game four. But they found a way. They don't normally find a way. The first game, I thought they got outplayed the first game in Tampa, game three. But they found a way. And the Matthews fight was a farce, but it's still five minutes for fighting. And it got him involved. And clearly, last night, getting two goals in the third period and leading your team back to put them on your back. Three-goal comeback, 4-4. Four, four. Then they win in overtime by Kerfoot, of all people, on the power play. Kerfoot looked at the bench. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If I'm Toronto, I'm almost, I guess it's overtime and you want to save your big guns, but they'd been off for 30 or 40 seconds. I don't know. There's a big drop-off to me from Nylander, Tavares, Marner, Matthews to Kerfoot. But, and I love his spunk. I love the way he plays. 
I don't think he's the most offensively gifted compared with those guys. And I don't know how much power play time he'd be seeing in overtime if I was the coach. But what the fuck do I know? Because he scored a goal in overtime on the power play. So I find it interesting. Leafs Nation find themselves now in a place of unfamiliarity. Um, they're the ones getting the bounces. They're the ones coming back. They're the ones stepping up. Now, is it a changing of the guard? It certainly looked like it last night. Tampa Bay looked dejected, not only for the final goal when it was 5-4, to four, but the tying goal. They just looked dejected. They looked like they knew they were going to lose. Now, who knows? Tampa Bay, if nothing else, have spunk. Right down to the backup goalie, these guys are going to be tough to put out. They're going to be tough. Vasilevsky's not playing very well now at all. I can't see that keeping up. But now the Leafs got one game. They have 60 minutes to do it. Well, they have a lot more than that, but they need to go win 60 minutes, and they have three chances to do it. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, but uh, I don't know. I hate to see depression or anxiety or bad negative vibes. Um you know, associated with anybody. I don't know these guys on Toronto. They're leaders. I really don't. I can just follow along in the media. And if nothing else, it's nice to have a monkey off your back. Even if they lose the series now, I don't think they will. But it has to say something for the way that a lot of their top guns have stepped up. Like I said, who takes a lot of shit? Tavares, who's playing pretty well. Um, definitely Marner Matthews. And, you know, they're def they've definitely stepped up. Um Riley, you know, anyway, I could go out and go on. I'm, I'm beating a dead horse. The Oilers, man. Two games to two. Could have been three games to one, obviously. They were down three to nothing to the Kings. The Kings are resilient, but the Kings aren't the Oilers. And I don't know. I think the Oilers coming back. Had they gone down three to one, L.A. would have had three fucking chances to put them away. And uh, that would have been a tough hole to get out of. But I uh, now it's 2-2. Two to two. I don't know. I'm putting all my money like I did right from the start. Not because I do some work with Ryan Rashog and Jason Strudwick out west. Um, I got your back podcast. But uh, I just I think the Oilers are too much for, for, for L.A. Even the games L.A.'s won, I think they got lucky at times. They're definitely hard workers. They'll surprise you. You cannot start sleeping, you can't put your head down for a minute, but they don't have as much top-end talent as the Oilers. And if the Oilers are to lose this now, it's a big ball dropped. This, to me, is the Oilers' opportunity to get to the final, right? I mean, all the greatest players get there at some point, most anyway, at least to the final, right? I mean, that means you're the best team in your conference, out of 16, if you're the best player, players in the world, I'm sorry, but you should be able to achieve that level of moderate greatness at some point. Now, you're in your prime. You've got a great team. You had an unbelievable finish in what a lot consider not quite as deep a conference as the East, well, now's the time. 
and I was good. I was happy for DeHarnay, a rookie, big guy, six foot six or seven. I mean, he's hulking, but he made a few mistakes and he got burned. Took some penalties, some giveaways, and uh, they came back. Hyman scored, and you could see how fucking pumped he was on the bench. I don't know him from Adam, but like I said, I fucking hate seeing guys that actually go out and try uh, go through slumps or you know bad giveaways that they get burned on terrible minuses it's their fault no matter what because i've been there so anyway much like you know i'm at least a little bit uh what's the word happy i suppose why am i don't need to go any further than that it gives me a bit of joy to see people dig themselves out of a hole or the team rally around them. In Matthew's case, he put the team on his back. In DeHarnay's case, um, the team picked him up. But, uh, you know, he made some bad plays. But overall, that guy's been a warrior back there. He's a big guy. He's really, really helped the Oilers' defense. And, uh, you know, as long as I'm on the Oilers, I got to say it, man, that ever since... Um, Tyson Barry got traded. Evan Bouchard is a different player. That was, uh, and uh, you know, I don't know if it's Barry leaving, which opens the way for him to be the first, you know, the outright first right-hand shot defenseman, offensive-minded. You know, he's making a lot of great plays out there. Or it's uh, picking up Ekholm and uh, learning from a veteran. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but uh, Bouchard is a different player. So, the Oilers, do I think they're going to do it? Yes, I do. I think they're going to win the next two games. I could be wrong, of course, but uh, I just don't see them losing to LA. Um, so, if you're a Leafs fan or an Edmonton Oilers fan, I think that uh, you might have gotten a little bit lucky uh, this weekend, but you're in a good spot. Now, the Jets... The Winnipeg Jets, beginning of the year, I picked them to not make the playoffs. And I thought there was a lot of turmoil within within the dressing room. It seemed that way. Wheeler's getting stripped of the captaincy. Shifley, um, I don't really remember, but I made he made some comments that might not have been seen as positive publicly. Um, right back to the line aid uh, Dubois trade. Uh, you know, Dubois came over. I didn't think he was giving it his all. It seemed to me that there was some animosity behind the scenes. Maybe there wasn't. I'm just telling you what I perceived as a fan and uh, a podcaster. So I really didn't see them doing anything. I thought they'd get smoked this year. And in this case, I like being wrong. I really do. Because who wants to fucking wish negativity on anybody? Especially when it's a Canadian team. We haven't fucking won the Stanley Cup since 1993. It's 30 years. I wouldn't care if it was Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, or Flin Flon. Right? You, you, I, I like to support. And I know that fucking each team, it's not all Canadians on it. It's not like they represent your city for real. Or at least with birthright uh, associations. But... You know, it's a Canadian squad. I'd love to see the fucking Jets do it. Can you imagine the party in fucking Manitoba? Well, in Canada, but in Manitoba, in Winnipeg? Wow. 
give those people something positive sports-wise to party about. Um, but I just find, you know, they've got real bad luck. They proved me wrong. They they got into the playoffs, and they went on a slump before the playoffs. They're really streaky. But still, they got there. Um, you know, the I remember the Los Angeles Kings that won a couple of Stanley Cups in the early 2010s were streaky. Streaky's not the end of the world. If you streak together enough wins, is it? Uh, but they, this, I think they're playing great, man. They work hard. Uh, you know, I think what I do like about the Jets is that they do have the components, I think, for a really deep run. They've got a, a deep team that works hard that's, I think, at this point, underrated talent-wise. Josh Morrissey's really turned it on. I love watching that guy play. Norris Trophy candidate, he won't get it because Carlson had a generational year. But still... So I honestly, now they're down three to one. They were working hard. Shifley's out and so is Morsi. Two of their best players. Two of the top ten, top 15 players in the division. Gone. Off your team. Now they can still do it. Right? Vegas got a good fucking squad though, man. It's going to be tough to come back three games in a row. But anyway, I figured I'd comment on the Winnipeg Jets because they've proved me wrong so far. And uh, I don't think they're out. They're down, but they're not out. It's going to be tough. But either fucking way, man, um, if they go down, no shame in that if your two best players are out. And I think they're playing okay. Um, here we go. So I guess that would be one thing. I, I said I'd talk about five, five uh, try to think about five things a week to talk about. The next thing, a lot of people ask me what I watch on TV. So, oh, God, it's... It, <laughs> I do try to read a chapter from a book or or a magazine. Right, right over there now, I got David Grohl's book, Stories from the Road. I got Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, uh, Forbes. My dad and I have always had a subscription to... Dad's had Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone, and I would get Entertainment Weekly and uh, the Hockey News. And uh, I don't know... I, when I say I, you know, I was like five years old, so he was probably ordering them through me. But I loved back uh, before the internet getting the copy of the hockey news because it was you'd open it up, and my favorite part of the hockey news was that they had all the stats for all the leagues, pro leagues and junior leagues, in the back of it. Oh, anybody that rode buses in the Canadian Hockey League, being the WHL, OHL, or cute MJHL in the eighties or nineties knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? You get your fresh hockey news, you go on the road, you get your bus, you get your seat, you make your little nest, you'd open the hockey news. For me, in Tri-City Americans, I would, uh, myself and Mark Hurley, shout out to Hurls out in uh, Sherwood Park, Alberta. Uh, Mark and his brother Mike were real, real good friends of mine in Tri-Cities. And uh, <clears throat> ran into both last year in Edmonton. It was nice to see them again. And hopefully we'll see each other again soon. Anyway, oh, boys, by the way, I'll be out in Edmonton June 9th. I'm going to do the Kevin Lowe roast. I'm going to be one of the roasters. I don't know Kevin. I've met him once. Kind of nervous <laughs> to be because I'm really, really going to roast. I'm going to go deep. Um, that's why they called me, I assume. So anyway, that'll be it. So all my buddies and fans of the podcast and whatever out in Edmonton, I will be there June 9th. Stay tuned. For my friends, let's get together and have a beer. For any fans of the pod, 
Um, like I said, man, just follow. I really um, enjoy the public gatherings, meeting all you guys, sharing some stories. It's a lot easier than online. I get a bit overwhelmed. So if you're from Edmonton or the area and, yeah, you want to get together for a beer or something, I'll probably go in uh, somewhere like the Great Canadian Brew House maybe. I'll get my ducks in a row. Stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram, Terry Ryan 2020. Uh, but where was I going with that? Oh, what I watch on TV. Yeah, man, like I'm all over the map, but I do, like I said, each night, just to give my head a break, try to watch at least a half hour of TV, like fictionalized a TV show. I don't mean watch TV as in the highlights or the news. I watch that anyway. That's that's going on all day um, here and there, right? But anyway, so right now, Succession, I, I know a lot of people are into that. Uh, but it's funny, a couple days ago when I was talking about Succession, the TV show, of course, I think it's in its final season now. Um, and I really do like it. But I was talking with my buddy, like a lot of people... I assumed I assumed everybody realized it was a comedy, right? But a lot of people don't. And I'm like, geez, how do you not find that funny? Um, I don't know. I take it. Anyway, I just had this conversation with my buddies, so I gotta have five things to talk about. I said I would, so I guess this this is number two. I look at succession as a satire. Um I've heard, I don't know if there's any truth to it or why it's in my head, but I took it to be about the Murdoch family, um, Rupert Murdoch and family, who's a gazillionaire. Rupert Murdoch, I believe, owns a lot of things. I know Fox News. I know like a bunch of hotels. I, I don't think I could even list off as many companies. I know he's, a, he's definitely a, a media guru if you... Lose, use that term loosely. I don't know much about the guy. I know that a lot of people give him a bad rap, but I can't really just... I know he's an old guy with a lot of money. And, you know, his... Um, his... Is it... <clears throat> his whole demeanor, the family, it all reminds me of the Roys. Okay? Uh, Logan Roy is to me like, maybe that's not a great example, the Murdoch family. Maybe like King Lear for those Shakespeare fans. A lot of people don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I don't know, power, how to divide power. Uh, you know, and for Logan and for, say, Rupert Murdoch and for King Lear, it's amongst how to divide power amongst the children, amongst the family, okay? And... You know, all the characters in succession, I find, are almost caricatures of themselves. They're over the top. Um, you know, gives a tongue-in-cheek look, inside look at elitist high society, you know? And to me, it shows, oh, there's a lot of themes. Where would I go with this? You know... Even though people might have billions of dollars and billions of dollars and not have any money worries, there's still 
you know, uh, what's the word? They're still vulnerable. Uh, having money doesn't make you necessarily smart. It just makes you rich, financially rich. But uh, all the nuances to daily life when you're one of those spoon-fed elitists, I suppose, can be funny. At least I, I find it really, really humorous. Uh, whatever re whatever the reason, it's also, I, I guess you could see it as a drama, dra drama, drama, as a drama, maybe a dramedy, I, I don't know. But the characters are pretty deep. I think it's funny. It deals with, in its own way, real-life issues. So there you go, succession. I'm also watching a show called Sneaky Pete, which uh, follows a guy who gets out of jail takes on the identity of his cellmate and uh it's stirred the first season stars brian cranston from breaking bad he also produces it but um i'm in season three now and to be honest it's dragging on a little bit but i would i mean it's still a tier above most so i, I don't mind sneaky pete either so there you go it's nba playoff time that means big hoops action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with a touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So, what are you waiting for? Download the app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can make a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Again, that's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Now, speaking of money, I want to say something else. Speaking of money, um, and I want to give these girls a shout-out. My buddy Taran Sanwith, I uh, played hockey with him. Real hard worker. Sandman's one of the only players I've ever seen that I played with, the only one I really remember going to school and bringing his work on the bus. Now, people went to school, of course, before and after pro hockey, but I played with Sandman on the St. John's Maple Leafs, Toronto's farm team that I was speaking about about 10 or 15 minutes ago, okay? And I remember being in, and we had a tough division. It wasn't, the AHL now is a lot of flights, we we bust, man. We 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 we'd fly in somewhere and then bus all over New England, Atlantic Canada, and uh, we were going to Wooster, I think, to uh, Lowell, 
Albany, that trip, Springfield, and you know, Sandman, <clears throat> Sandman would go back to the back of the bus, man, and he'd open his books and he'd be doing his papers. And he was always really dedicated. Almost, Sandman was a real, real good hockey player. Trent Sand with him. I mean, I've had him on here a thousand times. You guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, he was a real good player, real big. And Sandman, because he was so big and he was like a, he was strong in the corners and stuff. So in that era, there were so many tough guys that I don't think it was in his nature to go out and want to fucking hurt you. But he had to answer the bell and he knew that he was a professional. Well, he was a professional and he knew his job. So Sandman, you know, and he was a very loyal husband. Uh, at, you know, they're divorced now, but he, I really looked up to him. Was riding the buses. He's got he got his eight games in. I'm glad uh, he, he played in the NHL. And uh, you know, like I say, once an NHLer, always an ex NHLer. But you know, so he stuck with the journey and he got rewarded. He played a year for Team Canada. Played a lot of years in the minors. Um. So his career, had it just ended there, would be a success. But I often say hockey's the vehicle to so much more, right? So Sam Man was a good person. He was always the kind of guy who wore the C or the A, you know. I always went to Sandman for advice. I mean, he's my buddy. and We got shit-faced a lot, you know, went out and experienced life as 20-odd-year-olds would uh, in the late 90s. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we remain friends to this day. I don't remember really going long periods of time without talking to Sandman. And uh, even subconsciously, it turns into an, an, an like a an advice uh, it's kind of, you know, we have chats, but the way he carries himself and, you know, the things he's experienced, he's a little bit older than me. I really look up to him for that. And one of the things I've, I've really looked up to Sandman about the most is that, you know, he has a construction company now, GNS Construction. It was his father's and uh, he's running it now. No, uh, no doubt as a result of uh, a lot of things, not the least of which would be going to school while he played hockey and, and getting some knowledge other than a stick, a puck, and a net, you know? So Sandman, his company is fairly successful now. Uh, you know, he has a nice place in Toronto, nice place in, in Edmonton, and he works back and forth. His family, his two daughters, Coco and Daisy, are in Toronto for the most part. That's where they live, but they, they, they visit him in, in Edmonton, and he goes, Travels out there with him once in a while, and his company, for the most part, is run out of Edmonton. So he spends time between Edmonton and Toronto. Sandman is a success story. Sandman made some great connections in the game, and because he's such a good person, uh, you know, has pretty much kept those connections on a positive level, and they multiply. And uh, when you're a good person like that, that's what happens. Now, the point of this is that Sam Mann has made some decent money for himself. I won't get too specific with that, but he has. And my daughter, I try to always tell her because it's a different world. First of all, she sees me and, you know, a lot of people, Penny Lane and I are walking around not only St. John's at this point, but maybe Toronto when I took her there in Montreal. People recognize me now. We're at the Leafs game. We're at the Habs game. You know, so they're hockey fans. I'm in ground zero 
of the kind of place that people would recognize me. So I'm not saying I'm this big celebrity, but in hockey cities at hockey games, Jays games, sports games, things like that, people tend to say, "Ah, eh, there's Teddy Hitchcock, right? Or else, I don't know, there might be a Canadian fan, a Spitting Chicklets fan. So she, you know, I have to remind her, you know, what, what, what am I trying to say? She, I guess, absorbs that, level of fame if you want to say it again i'm not comfortable saying famous but um you know she sees that and at first i think she might have thought that that equals being rich and it doesn't um and a lot of you know she plays on uh, you know a soccer team in mount pearl with a lot of great friends and, uh, you know, she plays on the provincial team. And there's a lot of people, you know, families on, on both teams, you know, in her life, in her school. And, they, they, you know, they're they're loaded. They get a lot of money. And uh, I won't get specific, but really, they're, they're, they're good people, too. I mean, some people are pretentious, like I said, you know, the satire and succession. We all know people that get a little bit of coin or a little bit of power, a little bit of status, and they turn into total douchebags, right? So... And I know that a lot of people I roll with, they have money, but they don't necessarily act like it. Sandman's one of them. I don't know. I'm in Newfoundland, a guy like Danny Williams, right? Um, not the premier, the ex-premier, his son. Uh, and a friend. Oh, I won't get into my friends, that, but they're, they're, they exist that, that have quite considerable bank. And, uh, you know, you never really know it talking to them in an everyday situation okay yes i'm going somewhere with this so and yes for me look i had a few bad decisions i'm getting back i'm real happy we live in a modest house shorzy's a great paycheck you know it's five weeks a year from there you know, that's why I do so many appearances and things like that. You know, I make it work. I don't know what people think, but just being on TV or, or playing a few games in the NHL doesn't equal money bags the rest of your life. I really have to work hard, and I still right now make a pretty modest. It's I, I knock on wood. I don't have any fucking major worries right now. A few years ago, I was literally fucking homeless. But, <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. But a lot of the people that Penny Lane comes across probably have way bigger net worths, okay? But when we were in Toronto last, uh, you know, Penny Lane met Coco and Daisy, Sandman's daughters. They're 14, I believe, and 16, 17, either 13 and 16. Well, they're turning 14 and 17 this year. So, but, you know, Penny Lane called me aside when we were home maybe a few months ago. Every night before she goes to bed, I go in and we talk about something and, uh, you know, what we're going to dream about or whatever. And then so her topic that she brought up that night was how Coco and Daisy don't act like they have that much money. And I said, well, how do you know they, they do it all? She goes, well, you keep talking about how expensive tr uh, Toronto houses are and Sandman's is like, like, it's so nice. It's like a mansion. I was like, yeah, well, they do have a little bit of money. Like, they're doing okay. And I explained it to her. And she said, well, I know a lot of people that 
act like they have a lot of money. I knew what she was talking about, like some classmates and stuff. And they just act like they, they act so rude, she said. She said, I don't find Coco and Daisy are like that at all. And Sam Mann, he just seems so cool. Like that's almost verbatim the way she said it. And uh, so I thought I'd give them a shout out because I could tell my daughter, you know, that's what I want her to be like. I want her to see through the bullshit. I do. I'm the kind of guy, I don't know. If we go to a fucking premiere or something for Shorzy, I, I, I'm not going to the wine and cheese after party. I'm probably going to the house party. Um, you know, I don't know, a hockey player. You like the pub atmosphere, the, the dressing room. You you grow up and learn that sacrificing for your teammates and being a teammate is probably more important than anything. And the reason Sandman is successful isn't because he's a greedy fuck. It's because he is a teammate to everybody around him, right? And it's tough to explain that to a girl, a little girl, when she doesn't have knowledge of, of the, you know, she's so young that she doesn't know the way the real world actually works yet. You know, by that, I mean everything from colleges to the economy to politics, right? All she sees is people come into her school with money sometimes and talk about how big their cars are and their houses and their flights and their trips and everything. And anyway, so. It's probably my biggest pet peeve is people who flaunt their money and act like they, they, they're looking down at you from some kind of pedestal because they've got, you know, more money in the bank. So for Coco and Daisy um, and Sandman, thank you because you taught my daughter a lesson that uh, coming from your father, being, you know, coming from me, I don't think it always hits home the way I want it to, but when Penny Lane sees with her own eyes a bit of humility amongst success, it's a uh, it's a real breath of fresh air. And I figured I'd talk about that. Why not? Now the next thing, here we go. Number four. Me and Fish, last episode, we talked about existentialism, religion. We talked about um, you know, politics, science, philosophy, I don't know, man, but listen, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I'm, I'm saying this in response. I'm going to, I'm going to read you a message first of all. Okay. Let me, let me start there. I'm going to read you a message. Just one of a few, not a lot, really not a lot, but a few messages from people that are religious that weren't entirely thrilled with what I said. Hey, Terry, you're going to hell. If I was you, I'd make amends with the Lord now. By the way, they found parts of Noah's Ark in the Turkish mountains, and guess what? It had two of almost everything. You're ill-informed. Find the Lord. P.S. Gays aren't natural and are going to hell. It's a message that I got. I won't say the name. So, Jim. I'll say Jim. The first name is Jim, so I'll just say Jim. Listen, man, I don't want to get into it. Um, like I said, I believe energy goes somewhere. I'd like to to believe that BJ knows I raised his son, Tyson. Uh, my grandfather, I don't know. Is he sitting on a cloud smoking a pipe? Probably not. Um, but I'd like to think that his energy went somewhere, and maybe he knows that I grew up to 
play for his Montreal Canadiens or or uh, it seems so fickle, but you know that's the way you think as a human. Which, um, you know, I'd just like 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 him to know. I don't know to be proud of me and that his his, his advice paid off in some way, whatever it would be. I don't think he's like a ghost there looking at me. I, I don't know what to think. I don't. I don't. But I do think that, you know, pay it forward. Good karma exists. Um, if you're a good person, the energy comes back at you, I, I, I think. I believe. I like to have faith. It would be pretty depressing to go through life with no faith. I just don't tie it to an actual storybook that I was born in part one part of the world, so my religion is right and everybody else's is wrong, and I follow a book. Okay? That's it. So saying that, I find this really funny, Jim, that you say I'm going to hell. Now, you're supposed to be religious. Isn't Jesus inclusive? I can't remember every quote out of the Bible, but I went to Catholic school, and I know one of the things, one of the mantras is, do unto others as, you do on, as you'd want done unto yourself. Um, equal. All men are equal. All men are created equal. And back then, that means women too, right? Obviously, obviously. All people are created equal. So how am I going to hell? I incited no hate. I'm, in fact, inviting all religions. I said I don't know what's right or what's wrong, but I know I should be a good person and show compassion to this person here. Now, where you're coming from, Jim, seems like a place of hate, yet you're the religious one. You see where I'm going with this? And you figured you'd put at the end, gays aren't natural and are going to hell. I don't know how I get associated with this. I do have an uncle that's gay, Daryl, great guy. But again, I got a story in my book, a funny little story. I didn't know. Anyway, without getting into it. But I'm not gay. But I support, I don't give a fuck. If gay people want to get married, that's fine. Okay, my religion says, which is my own logic and positive karma, says I don't give a fuck about that. Now, you can't. I mean, I would think that most religions teach not to hate. Now, you're hating on me as someone that just doesn't hate. Again, I'm not gay. But you're hating on me for not being upset with people who are, and you're religious. And they found parts of Noah's Ark. Look, I hate to let you down, man. They found two of everything, did they? Happily. They found Noah's Ark and two of everything. Everything. Now, Jim, sit back and think of everything. Right? We're not just talking mammals. We're talking fucking lizards. We're talking amphibians. We're talking insects. Fuck plants for that matter. It's a flood, right? It's a worldwide flood. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe they found parts of Noah's Ark. I'm sorry, I don't. Now, I'd entertain the conversation if you didn't fill it with so much hate. But my advice to you, without elaborating any further, is look yourself in the mirror and figure out what it is you hate about yourself. Figure it out. Go back and do a deep dive into your own fucking brain. Because this, even from someone religious, is divisive babble. It's bullshit. Uh, I've said my stance. I'm including you 
and I'm not religious, and you're not including me. I'm not atheist. I'm not anything. I certainly hope that there's something. Like I said, it would be depressing if not. Uh, what that is, I don't know, and I don't tie it to any story in a book that some human created for the purposes of money and power and fear. Now I'm leaving it there. Movie scene. Wow. So Greg from Scarborough asked me what my favorite movie scene. That's impossible. It's impossible on many levels. But I'll tell you one that I was thinking about yesterday. We were in Shorzy and we were filming. And we were all talking about that very question. And we were sitting around a table. So I said, as long as we're sitting around a table, uh, my favorite one of them favorite scenes would be from reservoir dogs the uh, very first scene in reservoir dogs it opens up and the cameras going around around the table and it's uh mr pink mr brown mr white mr black they're all about to uh pull off a robbery right and they uh they show up and no one wants to get personal so they call themselves Mr. Whatever, right? Debuchemi's Mr. Pink, yada, yada, yada. So they're having this conversation at the beginning and it spills over into tips and who you should tip and who you shouldn't tip. And well, why do you tip at a coffee diner when you don't tip at McDonald's? Doesn't make sense. Anyway, it's a nice conversation, but these guys are legends. A couple of them are dead now. And uh, it almost captures all those great character actors in their prime. It's Quentin Tarantino, early Tarantino, and he's actually in this scene. He's not in a whole lot of scenes in the work he does, but he's in this one, plays a big role in it. And I love the movie. So check out Reservoir Dogs. And uh, I'll go better. Check out that scene. Go to YouTube, Reservoir Dogs opening scene. Watch it. I'm guessing it's eight or nine minutes long. If you like it, go rent the movie or stream the movie or whatever. If not, it's not for everybody, of course. But uh, anyway, it's one of my favorite scenes. And speaking of Reservoir Dogs, I will leave you with the song Stuck in the Middle with You. And that Steeler's Wheel, one of my favorite artists of the 70s is Jerry Rafferty. And my favorite album by Jerry Rafferty, check it out. It's called City to City, and it has three smash hits on it. City to City, check these out. Uh, the second one, what is it? City to City. God, what is the second hit on that album? The third is Baker Street, and one of the my favorite songs of the 70s. Begins with an R. I got to look it up. Jerry Rafferty. City to city, Jerry. Oh, right down the line. So first three songs on the album, great album, but the first three songs, boom, boom, boom. City to city, right down the line, and Baker Street with probably the most famous saxophone in the history of rock and roll. That's saying something, but check it out. Most of you know what I'm saying when I say Baker Street, but uh, if not, you will on the first note, I guarantee it. Now, the reason I brought up Steeler's Wheel is because Jerry Rafferty 
formed Steelers Wheel with, God, I forget his name, Jerry Rafferty, Steelers Wheel. Jerry Rafferty and Steelers Wheel, but it was, uh, God, he formed Steelers Wheel, bear with me, with Joe Egan. Got that. And uh, it's a good little tune. Stuck in the middle with you. I think you'll recognize it. But the scene, uh, Michael Madsen is literally mutilating a guy. I don't want to give too much more away, but I think you probably, yeah, that's not giving too much away. He's mutilating a guy, uh, you know, and, he, and he's playing that song and he's dancing. And it's a, it's a very different, intriguing, cool, uh, unique scene. That uh, anyway, you know the whole fucking movie. There you go. Reservoir Dogs is a great movie with a great fucking soundtrack, and I can't any add any more to that. You guys check it out, and uh, by all means, let me know what you think. Do it on Twitter if you can. Um, I'm using that a little bit more now, and I get to the message easy, mess messages a lot easier. Uh, in a couple days, we're going to have one of the boys here from Shorzy. I'm not sure who. Probably be Dolo, maybe Goody, um, being jo jo Joe Dolo is Jonathan Diaby, and uh, Goody is Andrew Anson. I'm going to have one of those guys on, likely, if not Nasty Morasti or one of the Nolans. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, I'll be back in just a couple days. If you're downtown St. John's, why not go to the Bull and Barrel, TJ's Pub, check out Rob Roy Confusion, Green Sleeves, the Martini Bar, and uh, Trinity Pub, and the Bull and Barrel. Did I mention those? Well, I did now. If you're going to go for a bite to eat, Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, Wedgwood Cafe. Lots of great local spots if you're in Newfoundland, if you're in St. John's like me. Uh, support local. But anyway, those are the places I like to go. Power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane is just phenomenal. Strength and balance for the body and mind. I know all kinds of people that have joined and not one that regrets it. So check it out. It changed my life. It could change yours too. Mr. Lube, locations on Torbay Road and Camount Road. Live, laugh, lube. Check it out. Pitbull Pain Relief, pitbullpainrelief.com. Those are the pain sticks that just won't quit. Uh, I use them almost every day of my life, and it uh, really, really helps me, especially in my athletic endeavors. True Hockey. Take what's yours. And uh, I'll be taking this laptop and I'll be seeing you guys again in just a few days. Thanks for tuning in. This has been episode 151A of Tales with TR. We'll catch you guys on the rebound.